Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Greetings and welcome to podcast. Hi, I'm Matt. Last week, if you weren't here, I said podcast for no particular reason. Now I've decided to just lean with it. I, I just felt like doing it again. Welcome to a podcast. Um, anyway, I'm Matt. Uh, with me this week is Joe. Joe's really cool. Hi, Joe. Hi. I didn't think I was really cool, but thank you. Yeah, you are. You're really cool. You're a good person. You should be happy. And you are also a good person. You should be happy yeah, as that, well. That's a lie. But anyway, uh, we're going to be doing the thing where we talk about blizzard in its many games but this week it's probably going to mostly be about the one game world of warcraft uh i've been in the shadowlands alpha i was in the shadowlands alpha i'm still now i'm in the beta joe just got into the beta so we're going to talk shadowlands beta we're going to talk about stuff we like dislike have experienced think needs to be changed anything that comes to mind um which probably carries with it a little bit of a spoiler warning so just in yeah. case you're out there and don't want it spoiled consider this your warning we are going to talk about Shadowlands. That's just an event. You can't talk about a beta and not talk about what the beta test is testing. So, uh, my thing that I'm going to talk about first is is the Exiles Reach intro experience for uh, Shadowlands. Exiles Reach is a new one to ten leveling experience. It is essentially. I don't want to say faction agnostic because it does have slight differences if you play as Horde versus Alliance, but it is. If you play a night elf or a human or a dwarf or an orc or a troll or a tauren, it's agnostic there. It's not like the old days when you started a character and you started in the starting zone of that character's of race. Now, if, if you are a new player, only if you are a new player, the first time you make a character, that character will be on the boat going to Exile's Reach. And you will go through an a extended tutorial as you level from 1 to 10. And that tutorial will teach you how to play the game, how to use your class's abilities, how to, you know, how what what it's like to get gear as you get gear throughout it, 
by the time you leave Exiles of Reach at around level 10, you will have a you'll have even run a mock dungeon. And the mock dungeon is set up to look and feel much more like a like a ten, like a five person dungeon than a scenario, even though it is essentially it is essentially a scenario, but it is designed to teach you things about running dungeons, like the concept of tanking, the concept of healing, how this works, how to queue for them, because you need to use the queuing tool. The game is set up where you queue for that dungeon, and then you get put into it with an NPC party. It's very interesting. I am still not sure. I mean, it, at this point, it's executing pretty well. It, it is to the point where it, it needs polish. It needs more work. But it, it feels like it is set up. I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I don't know how often I will use it. For one thing, it is extremely tutorial. Yeah, it's very, very, very tutorial. Um, yeah, if you, which is not if a bad thing. The, no, but if you've played the game before, if you've been playing the game for a long time, like some of us have, I've been playing the game uh, literally half my life at this point. <laughs> yeah, not quite that much for me, but just because I was older when I started. Um, so yeah, it's it it's it's pretty crazy uh, how how developed it is, and it, and if you are a somewhat experienced player, you you'll probably run it once or twice just to see the new thing. And then you'll probably be done, which is fine. Because you don't need to play it more than once. Once you have leveled a character through it, you can then just... Ha- you can choose. When you roll a new character, you may- you get to choose if you start in that experience or if you start in the, the, the normal starting zone for that character's race. So it's just there for the... F- it's just mandatory for your very first character. Because it is essentially just... If you've, if you've ever played any game that had a tutorial level, it is literally just the tutorial level for World of Warcraft. Um, and that's something I wanted to mention. It's something I think they've been working on it for a while. It's in a pretty good place now. It is, to my mind, one of the most interesting things about the beta, so I wanted to bring it up. Now for you, Joe. What is just anything you want to talk about? I mean, there's so much. I've been absolutely going bonkers with just, like, trying to, like, see what's going on and and figure things out. There are a couple things that are very beta-y that I'm not going to complain about because, well, it's a beta and they're going to fix some of these things well before that ever happens. Uh, but the one thing that I don't... There's one thing I don't like right now and that's when you're in Orboros and you go to another zone, you fly there and there's like this slipstreamy effect. They need to tone that down. Um, the only reason I say that is because I have discovered, thanks to Nihalatha, that I am somewhat photosensitive. Not enough to cause, like, a seizure or anything like that, but certain color combinations with flashing lights will actually cause me to have an instant migraine. Um, and I got around that in Nihalatha by going into colorblind mode, one of the specific colorblind modes, which sort of alleviated the color flash. I can't do that in the beta right now, so I don't. I can't. I can't imagine I'd be the only one that would be affected by it. So I'm kind of hoping they pay attention to it. It's a really cool effect, and it's this interesting thing where you are like literally shunting between zones. Um, it reminds me a lot of like the old. <laughs> it's gonna sound goofy, but like the old TV show Sliders when they used to go between like different realities. It feels a lot like that. It's just way more flashy. So hopefully they'll take care of that. Um, 
I don't know, like, there's not one specific thing that I like so far. I will say that it feels... It feels good as far as, like, shaman go, which is something that excites me. Not simply because of... Not because I'm biased, but one of the things that I've been saying is... In Battle for Azeroth, as an elemental shaman, I felt very, very weak. And I didn't level as elemental. I didn't level as enhancement. I actually wound up leveling as restoration. uh, Because I kept freaking dying all the time. I don't feel like that. I feel I have options now. And I really like how your uh, covenant abilities play into sort of that survivability. Like... Ardenwild's Fey Transfusion is absolutely massive. Like, I am in love with it as far as, like, it's an AoE damage ability. Oh, and it can heal you. Like, stuff like that. Like, there's these cool balancing things that they're doing right now. I don't, I haven't felt overwhelmed yet. And I think that's one of the most important feelings because in Legion and in Battle for Azeroth, as a shaman, there were several points where I felt incredibly overwhelmed very early on. So yeah, the the one thing that I really enjoy right now is that everything, it doesn't feel like I'm hitting a point of being overwhelmed. Like, so far, I've made a character in each of the zones. Uh, I've gone through all of the, the experiences for them at this point with individual characters because traveling between zones is broken, apparently, unless you start from scratch. Don't know. Um, but I have not hit a point where I feel weak. And that's really important because during Battle for Azeroth and during Legion that point of feeling weak came so quickly that it made certain parts like I had to beg somebody to come along with me or try to do it as resto and it took forever because I just I was dying all the time. But with the covenant abilities, with everything that they're putting in, it feels good. It feels balanced so far. Now that could change. I don't know. Uh, obviously this is beta, but as of right now, at least for Shaman, I don't feel outclassed. Um, the other thing I'm really enjoying is that each of the zones that you go to have a really uh, cohesive story. And yeah, that, that much I can attest to as well. Um, without trying to go into too many story spoilers, a lot of stuff is, is revealed as you level through them. And then mm-hmm. there's more stuff when you go back at like, max level, um, which, which helps feel fleshed out. And you, you will... Because it's because there's faction gating at the end at level sixty, um, you will not get to experience every zone's higher level content. You will basically have to pick one. Yeah, and and that one will be the one that's linked to your covenant. So in a way, there's you know more reward to playing alts because you will you'll need to play at least four alts to get to see all the factional stories, the the covenant stories. But but beware of that. But but they are good stories, I think. At least so far, what I've seen of them. The 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 one that I think both Joe and I have done is Ardenwield. Oh, I love Ardenwield. Ardenwield is my happy spot right now. Not because it's a happy story, but it it's everything that I wanted it to be. Like I was, if you you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me gushing about it and trying not to spoiler and just shove screenshots everywhere. But I love it. I love that the story, how it's presented and everything else. And I am absolutely wondering how many people are going to be thirsty for fawns. Cause that, I think that's going to be a thing that happens. I mean, come on, it's world of Warcraft. The second a new race is introduced. People are thirsty. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will also say, um, I'm going to use Ardenwield as an example. Uh, they've done a lot to knit, to make it so that if a zone is dark and, gl- and gloomy and depressing and oppressive, 
it is on purpose. Mm-hmm. It is not just yeah. every zone looks the same. Um, Bastion doesn't look anything like any other zone. Revendreth doesn't look anything like any other zone. Revendreth is the closest you're going to get to that gothic archetype. If you if you're looking for and in gar- gothic, not gloomy, like that, that, yeah. there's a big distinction there. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of I don't want to say vibrancy, but I can't think of what you'd call it. Uh, the opposite of vibrancy. There's a lot of of zest to to Revendreth. It's got it's got a, it's got a very distinct personality uh, in the characters and the architecture and the zone layout and, and the things you encounter there. Like, if from, you ever LARPed? Like, oh if yeah. You ever LARPed in your life? Revendreth is a good zone for you because it is basically yes. like a zone full of people who who are LARPing for real. Yeah, they're 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 basically um, playing Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, and 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 they're they are very extra about it. They're not kidding. So yeah, there's there's that. Um, there's a, you know, this is still. I think I think I saw it. It was might have been a. Taryn Greg, Gregory on uh, Twitter saying something. In fact, I'm, I'm excited for people finally getting to see this, finally getting to see the amount of work we've put into it, and it is starting to feel that way. Yeah. It, it doesn't fully gelled yet. There's a lot of connective tissue is not in place, but with the intro zone there, and with a lot of other zones there, and with the ability to play them and experience them, you finally get a sense of at least the opening of the story. And I think that's pretty great. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I, I like about being in betas in general, especially with World of Warcraft, is over the years you get to see how things sort of coalesce. And I think over the last two expansions and now this one, you can really see how they've, I don't want to say perfected the formula, but you can see that they have their rhythm for it. And so like everything right now, it... I, I liken it to a lot when I when I paint. So I'll block in basic colors where I know what shades and hues I'm going to work in in different areas on a, on a model. And then I'll worry about tying everything together as I go along and adding the different highlights and, and making everything cohesive. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's like all the paints on the canvas and you can look at the individual pieces and see where they are in their, their stages of progress. And now it's all about finishing those off, polishing those pieces off and then tying them together. And it's, you're seeing the genesis of this and it's really nifty to be a part of that and experience it. So yeah. Um, one other thing I'm going to mention really fast, and then I think we'll, we can move on to doing some emails. we got a few emails and some of them are pretty big this month, this week. So we'll, we'll see what we get there. But one of the things I actually, I, I as a warrior player, I feel like warriors are still undertuned. Uh, just say, I'll strip say it. Maybe it's because the gear they have me in is not that great. Whatever it is, I am not super happy with how Fury plays. Not the actual play style of it, but the fact that it feels a lot of times like I'm getting my just housed by stuff that really should not be housing me. Um, whereas Arms feels a little stronger, and Prot, I, I, I've been leveling in Prot. Um, it's just much easier. And I don't like it when Prot feels like just the absolute go-to for leveling. I feel like you should be able to level on anything you want. And Prot should be something that you, if you want to level in it, sure. I mean, if you like it. But if you don't, but you you know you're going to tank eventually, then Prot can be saved there for when you do that. Although, honestly, for dungeon tanking, I find myself wondering if I'll tank as Arms or Fury this expansion. For for just five minutes and stuff. Not for, yeah. not for like, yeah, yeah, dedicated yeah. raid progression, but... With stuff having changed enough, the the various moves that you'd use when tanking, like a shield shield slam, 
shield block, uh, ignore pain. Those are baseline warrior abilities. Everybody has them. You can use ignore pain without a shield even. Yeah, you know what it I was I was thinking about that. Sorry, go fin- finish your thought. But I want to when you're done, I want to go into the, the yeah. a different uh, tangential topic. Ignore ignore pains is basically now if you are a feeling a fury warrior, it's basically just an oh snap ability. Like if you're you're getting killed and you need some breathing room, you will hit ignore pain because it will absorb damage for you, and that that gives you time to like possibly pop uh in in rage regeneration, get yourself healed back up to full. It's another little oh snap button, and it's very nice for that. But you could use it. You could basically just put a shield on. And tank as a Fury Warrior with a two-handed weapon in your main hand and a shield in your offhand. You could absolutely do that. Uh, will you be as effective a tank? No. But you No, could. you will not. But you could do it. And if you're good enough, you'd be good enough for stuff like five-player content. Uh, where it is not as important to be fully progression-minded and, and squeezing out every benefit. Um. I think at this point I'll let you go on your tangent. Yeah, so this, I got a very distinct feeling when running dungeons in the beta, because that's what I'm trying to do to get an idea of how everything feels healing-wise, because that's sort of my thing. But one thing it reminded me of is, anybody who's been around for the podcast uh, probably remembers the story that I used to tell of way back in the day with original Karazhan, where... As a restoration shaman with the old talent tree, me and a boomkin used to be the main tanks for Karazhan. And we could do that because we were very good at our roles. We knew what to do. And we would do a server-wide Karazhan thing where we would go in as the tanks. We would pick people up for healing and and DPS and just go. Uh, We this feels like you can start doing stuff like that again, which we haven't been able to do in my opinion, since they switched to the more stripped down talent trees. And I haven't felt that excited about that in a very long time because I just didn't think it was ever going to be possible again. But what you're talking about with feeling like you can tank in, in fury or arms also feels like I could off heal as elemental. There's enough tools that I have at my disposal between totem mastery, the totems that I have, the individual access to the healing spells that I now have because chain heal is now base across everything. It's it's really the base across everything re-edition. Yeah. They've put in a bunch of stuff that they used to be like, it used to be something that every warrior would have or every shaman would have or whatever your class was. There were certain abilities that were just baseline. And they made them class spec specific. And now they're kind of making them baseline again or adding baseline stuff on. And that's that's helpful. Um, it, it is. To, to be fair, in order for Shaman to tank back in the day, because I did it, I tanked Karazhan. You had to dip into enhancement a little bit. No, although that's true. But no. Uh, what I was going to say was you had to get PvP gear. Oh, I didn't do it in because PvP gear. In order to like main tank it as the only tank which I did, I main tanked Karazhan as the only tank. You needed the damage, re- the damage reduction. Yeah. yeah, and you couldn't get it because they didn't have any defense gear. Re- resilience or but, whatever it was. But resilience did the crit reduction. And yes, this has nothing to do with Shadowlands, but if you thought I was going to miss a chance to brag about how I main tanked Karazhan as a shaman, you're out of your damn minds. I, of course I'm going to talk about <laughs> See, and um, I went the different route. I went the, I went the way that most bears went, and I, I maxed evasion, essentially. Yeah, I didn't do that because I went enhance. 
Uh, I was a full enhanced shaman doing this because uh, my resto my resto spec I did not tank with it. My resto spec was dedicated entirely to downrank chain heal. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that there's a lot of stuff that's gone from the game that I don't miss. And one of them that I don't miss is the idea of having to use all your various downranks. Like you know you you had a fully leveled up chain heal like rank seven, but you didn't use rank seven all the time. Sometimes you just spammed rank three because it, it's the mana cost was so much less that yes, it didn't heal for much, but you could just do it forever and you'd never run out of mana. So as a shaman, that was your go-to because instead of healing one guy for a lot, you'd heal everybody for a little. And it was it was really fun in a way, but at the same time, it, it meant that you had to have like six different ranks of chain heal that you actually used. I had chain heal on five buttons. Yep, it's you know, it's like that old joke about frost shock being for shaman being on every button because at one point in time that was what like elemental shaman just had on their keys. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like that for down rank chain heal. Absolutely. So, but not to stray too to far get, away from it. <laughs> let's yeah, let's get back to your thing because that is something I hope that they embrace i hope that they yeah they've put it in they've made it so that there are things that are now cross class across the entire class i really feel like it's the kind of thing they should embrace well and here's why and 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 then i'll move on from this and we can do whatever else we want to talk about but one of the things that i loved feeling in a heroic game is the idea that you could save a group from a wipe by stepping into another role long enough to recover and that's something we haven't had in a very long time. And now adding all of these these baseline abilities back into the game, you're basically giving players that option. So if the healer dies and you have somebody who has a healing spec or healing spells base class, they could, in theory, keep the tank up long enough to, especially in a five man, for somebody to pick up that healer or for you to recover from it and not have a catastrophic failure or on a boss where you're like really, really low and the tank dies, somebody else can run in taunt uh, and keep that thing from killing the healer and the DPS long enough to finish the boss. It, it gives you that heroic feeling again. You feel like this all powerful, you know, bad MFR like you're supposed to. And we haven't had that in so long. And I've seen it happen in the five mans that we're in right now in the beta where I've died because I didn't know a mechanic yet and I didn't see the effect. And I have watched, you know, the Elemental Shaman or the Boomkin off heal long enough for me to pick myself back up and get back into the game. Or I've had a tank die where I've had a warrior literally like you're saying, like an arms warrior rush in taunt long enough to keep the thing off of me so that we could get the, the main tank back up and it feels good. I really hope they embrace this. I really hope this is something that stays around because I like that feeling of essentially heroic intervention. You, you, you can be the bulwark that saves the wipe. Yeah, it is something I mean, that's, that is absolutely something that was doable. I used to have a macro for it, even. I had a macro that you hit the button. It would pop you to D-stance, pop your shield on, uh, pop taunt off, and then that, that would you just hit shield wall and try to keep the boss from killing you long enough to get the tank up. Uh, we did that on our first Nefarian kill. I think I did it, and then when I died, another warrior did it. Yep. So we could get the tank up. Um, and... That worked, and that was our first Nefarian kill. I spent the last five minutes of it on, my, on the ground, and I felt like I did a good thing. I yeah, was actually happy to die because it, it meant we, we succeeded. 
Yeah, you feel like you can have a meaningful death <laughs> if for 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 whatever that take that as you will. But well, it, I mean, it's a video game. But yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that that's something. Maybe not. I don't think that's going to be the the Shadowlands isn't going to go too far um, because they never do. They never go super far. And and keep in mind that you know expansions. This is the time for the most game changes they can do. Yeah. But they still have to try and preserve as much balance as they can not just balance but the game has to still feel like the same game between sure. expansions oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a limit to what they're going to change but they're changing a lot here i mean between the the changing in, in terms of levels and the level squish and the item squish that's going to roll around with it um trust me the gear is definitely feeling it um between all that between the fact that they have to rejigger how talents work uh, a lot of new talents are coming in. The talents are in different places. Like, you get them at different levels because you have to fit it all into levels 1 through 50. Um, and you don't have... There's no levels between 50 and 60. You are going to get all your talents by level 50. Um, so that's another thing that, that you have to keep in mind and, and, and be ready for. I Ultimately, I am cautiously happy about Shadowlands in terms of how yeah. it plays. Yeah, like that—that that is a really good way to, to 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 phrase it. And I was trying to think of a way to to, to cautiously optimistic isn't right. I I am very happy, and and I want. I just I agree with your your statement. I think it is better than cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a level of. It feels like they've got enough... There's no... One of the things that really bugs me about Battle for Azeroth that has bugged me the entire expansion is the amount of systems that they put in knowing that they wouldn't extend them. And then they didn't integrate these systems very well. Uh, I'm going to use the two that really get to me. Azerite and Corruption. Yep. Yep. I don't... I am not on. I'm not a disliking corruption person. I don't think it's a bad concept. I think it, I feel it didn't deliver on what it wanted to do. It didn't deliver the way it, need, it it originally said it was going to. I don't even know if I feel that about it. I just feel like it's not integrated. You hit eight point two, and suddenly here's corruption. And it, it it I understand why you don't have it whole expansion because you're not having old gods all expansion. I get that. You know they don't. Oh, I got disconnected from the game. That's bad. Uh, yeah. Okay, guys. Sorry about this. I'm gonna try to reconnect as soon as possible. That's really annoying. Uh, hopefully that the, we don't lose the uh, stream. Um, waiting for the game to reconnect. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. There's my character. So my mouse lets me. Boom. Back in the world. Hopefully. Ah, <sighs> that was annoying. I really apologize, guys. And for for the comment, Sage, uh, yeah, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with the fact that it's worse because they let you buy it now. I think it's better because you can buy it now because it's letting players at least have some form of fun with the actual mechanic until it's gone. Which is one of the things like corruption can be fun. Like there's these moments where you can run into like a. Uh, vision or a horrific vision and if you have twilight devastation stacked out the wazoo you kill both of thrall's boar pets immediately uh and then you're just like a sack of hp to like this really nifty start like effect and some people like that i think 
the purchasing of it allows players who want to to experience it in a way that they want to, and that's not a bad thing. I, I just think that corruption in general, before this point, it it felt very much like if you didn't get exactly the right thing, you were completely ineffectual in your role. And that's the thing that bothered me about it. Plus, Especially- I mean, corrupt- the other problem I have with corruption, when I said it wasn't integrated, corruption is not very great if you're a healer. No, I, I was literally just complaining about this with my guild today, right before the podcast. There are like two, maybe three corruptions, and there are you like one of them is item specific. You have to get the axe from the boss that looks incredibly phallic, uh, Destragath. I can't remember his name, um, but like if that's really the only weapon effect that's good for healers because it just increases your intellect that's its effect it, it increases your intellect by a raw number and like if other ones it's if you need crit or you need mastery but everything else is all dps focused it it feels like i'm left behind yeah all the procs are dps procs um one of them is one of the procs from the axe that drops off of uh, the moam lookalike uh, that's a decent tanking one for Death Knights, and it's not really good for anybody else. It gets okay. It does area effect damage. It's based on your armor. It's like, okay, that's kind of weird. But it's it's decent. It's not the best one for Death Blood Death Knights either, so if you're a Blood Death Knight tank about to say, that one's not even that great for us, you are correct. It isn't. Um, but most of them, the rest of them are DPS-focused, which it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt you as a tank because it's threat. But it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like, ooh, this will help me stay alive. Because um, because they won't. That's Nothing about corruption is going to help you stay alive. And and I even get that from the concept of what you want corruption to do. But I really, I felt from the beginning when they first introduced corruption, it suffered from being introduced so late for players not really getting much time with it. Yeah. And it, it never felt properly tested. Yeah. And neither did Azerite. I was gonna say Azerite. Azerite was in that definite same camp, right? Like it, it, it was one of those things where we talked about this last week, and I think the week before, where it was introduced late into the beta cycle, and because it was introduced so late in the beta cycle, there really wasn't enough time for players to get their hands on it and really give good feedback. Whereas to swing this back to Shadowlands, now with like the Covenant abilities and your Soulbind and how they're doing the conduit testing and everything like that. They're doing it early. They started doing it in alpha, essentially. Yep. And mm-hmm. and now there's enough time because this is going to be your expansion-wide mechanic. They're learned from their mistake. At, at least I hope this is why they did it so early. So they can get that feedback and actually start, you know, making changes and balancing it based off of that so that it doesn't feel like Azerite and it doesn't feel like corruption because those are very divisive mechanics. And I think... I, I think, and I could be wrong, soul binding and, and that entire mechanic, I think is going to be mostly enjoyed by the player base. I, I'm not going to say everybody's going to love it because there's always going to be somebody that just hates everything, but it feels because of the customizability, the player input into it, it feels so much better than those other mechanics. I wish I had a camera pointed at my face right now. So y'all would see me doing my, I feel seen face. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will say that I do think that Shadowlands is going the right way in terms of how it is going about testing, and that is something that makes me happy. But at this point, since any further talk, we'll probably start revealing all sorts of story spoilers. Um, I'm going to say instead of doing that, we're going to move on to some questions. We've got some emails and a question from 
Actually, the question was from the Lore Watch this weekend because Joe got grabby hands and grabbed a non-Lore Watch. I was question. trying so hard to grab them before Matt did that I lost it. I'm sorry. He, he, he practically sheldoned me. It was like a Big Bang Theory moment. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's my pop culture reference of the day. Yeah. About a show nobody <laughs> liked. Um, so, yeah, if, if you've got questions for the podcast, uh, you can either go to our Discord and go to the Q patron and it's a isn't it like patron q and podcast questions channel it is is. i got it right eventually uh or there's just a q channel uh that's not for patrons you can just go and ask you can ask questions in that channel and we look at them here too as well uh but you can do that you can discord and do that or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com the subject like subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for this show joe's going to read them for us because if you were watching the free show you heard that whole bit about how i can't see anymore so that's why Joe reads them for us, and if you don't mind doing that for us, Joe. Not at all. So this question does come our friend, from our friend Tetsemi. Question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. Premise. Cataclysm revamp is leveling 2.0. Level Squish is leveling 3.0. What about leveling 4.0? What's missing from the leveling process? I would posit that it's a story through line to tie everything together. Let's have Chromie create a leveling train with a tracker, much like the Legion BFA quest tracker in the upper right of the quest journal. You can hop off the Chromie train to explore any expansion as much as you want, but the Chromie train will be there to keep you on track. You ha- you'd have a Chromie ticket to ride <laughs> that would act as a, a Hearthstone to get you back to Chromie, as well as your regular Hearthstone. Interesting concept. I mean, I, I, there's certainly I can see an appeal to it because I do think that one of the things that is lacking is the sense of you know a coherent, cohesive World of Warcraft story. I don't know how feasible it really is ever going to be to get you that. Um, I know that I think if you go to the various zones, I think Chromie is actually involved, or the Bronze Dragonflight is. I can't remember because I haven't really done much exploring of that as yet. Also, I have bad hiccups, so I'm sorry that I'm talking weird, guys. Um, but I do think that that's, there's certainly some there's some potential here. The idea of having there be a, a you know, f- for lack of a better word, Chromie shows up like Doc Brown and goes, Adventurer, it's your kids! Except not that, because, you know, it's not your kids. But then he takes you back in time and shows you, you know, this is the story of World of Warcraft. This is... And as you do, if like if you're doing a, very, a particular expansion, then you you get you know this is that story. I think there could be something to that. Um, I I don't know that they've they've gone through a lot of trouble right now to give you a, a, a one to ten leveling experience, and to set up that you can go ten to fifty in any zone, like any expansion. I don't think they're going to make. Also, you can go hang out with a dragon who then pops you around through all the various places of World of Warcraft, so you get a sense of the story. I don't know that that's a level of development they're going to dedicate to that. Do you know what I mean? That's that's basically making another expansion. Yeah, it's just it, an expansion made out of all the other expansions. There, I, I think the the core of the idea though is that like, and we've had questions like this before, and we've gotten this on Lore Watch a bunch. It's the idea of losing the story of the game because you're essentially. You're going one to ten if you're a brand new character through Exile's Reach, and you're going into whatever content to, to, to you know, up through right before BFA, then through BFA, and then in the Shadowlands. But if you're doing, let's say, Mr. Pandaria, you miss some of those other things. 
And I, a lot of people have been talking about, like, you know, and, and Starhammer and chat's bringing this up as well, Caverns of Time. There's something there where they could do that. But I'm going to throw something different out here because I've been thinking about this. What if instead we go back to a mechanic that was introduced in Mists of Pandaria and maybe combine it with some story elements for, you know, Tynan, Chromie, or the Bronze Dragonflight? We have Lore Walkers. We have lore walkers who literally, when they tell a story, a play unfolds in front of you. You get to see the events. And maybe instead of doing an entire, uh, you know, expansion's worth of story, you have a, uh, you have like a lore walker or a, a conclave of lore walkers. I can think of three in particular that would make really good options for that. Um, that tell you the story of Azeroth's so far. And at any point in time, you get to say, hey, Chromie, I want to go do this. I want to relive this experience. And that's your introduction to those, you know, re-leveling through mists or re-leveling through whatever. It would be, to me, a cool way to revisit something that they haven't really done since. And I really, really loved that in Mist of Pandaria, where you got to be told a story, but have the story physically come to life in front of you. Like, they could do something like that to give players an option to sit down and maybe have a condensed version of it. And they do something like this, and this is slight spoilery, so I'm sorry. Um, in Ardenweld, if you choose it as your covenant at 60, where you tell your story in the form of a play, and we've talked about this before, but it doesn't feel quite the same because not everybody's going to get to experience it. So maybe taking that idea, which they've done now, they've, they physically have done this, tailoring it a little bit to be more wider than just one covenant and letting players have a thing where they can experience the story of the world, I'd be all for that because that's something, again, I get asked at about a lot of how, how the story is going to feel with the whole new leveling thing. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much, I mean, I don't know that that's the way to go with it, but it is certainly an approach and it might, it would certainly work. I mean, you could do that. You could do lots of different things. The point is that in order to do it, you need to commit to something. Yeah. And I think that that would be something it's worth considering. Well, okay. What are we going to commit to? What are we, how are we going to get this to work? But it, at present, it just, it doesn't work because there is nothing for it. So yeah, I, I definitely think there is some, this is an idea. I don't know how exactly it should be implemented, but something should be implemented. I agree. All right, we are going to move on. This one comes from Anonymous. Dearest watchers, out of curiosity, how are you determining your covenant of choice for when Shadowlands arrives? I feel like watching beta information drop from the outside. I'm going to, I'm going every which way before I even get to experience the story itself. I mean, my main was totally in for Ardenwell for the character backstory reasons, but then I saw that one of uh, Theotar's soulbind abilities is that he covers the cost of your transmog, and suddenly I was torn. Uh, but in all seriousness, how many characters are you taking into Shadowlands and how are you deciding where they end up? Are you mainly looking for the special abilities, covenant story as it pertains to your characters, aesthetic, or something else? Just curious. All right, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Um, my Night Elf is my first character, 260, and she is going to do Ardenwild because it, it is the continuation of the Night Warrior story and the continuation of the Night Elf story, really. So I'm going to do that one first. My dwarf paladin is going to do Bastion because she is a dwarf paladin. So Bastion feels like a good choice for her. Um, I am not, by the way, I am not looking at all at the Soulbinds and what they can do. I am just straight up making, these are all story choices. Uh, my Death Knight's going to Maldraxxus 
because she's a death knight. And it makes sense. Uh, as for Revendreth, that's where my, my poor Lightforged warrior is going to end up because at this point he's the fourth guy and I don't have anything better for him. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's, he's going to Revendreth. I, I, Revendreth is the one that a lot of my friends are super excited about. It is the one they, they all love the most. It is the one I care the least about. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I would even care about it is the chance to see a certain character. Uh, other than him, if, in terms of the Maldraxxus story has like three characters I want to see in it. Uh, Ardenwald has got at least one really big character I want to see. There's just... There's not as much for me in Revendreth. But that's just a personal taste choice. There's there's a lot of cool reasons to go to Revendreth if that's what you want to do. I certainly don't think it's a bad choice. I don't feel like any choice... Choices I'm making here are perfect are personal. They're based on my characters and what I think they would do. So... Yeah, so mine is going to be a little bit different, I guess, uh, not because of me making predecisions, because I don't think there is a wrong way to choose your covenant. But for me personally, I have a running story for all of the characters that I play a lot. And this is just who I am. I've always been this person ever since I was a, a kid, where when I was playing D&D, I would hand you a 30-page backstory if you asked me for it, because that's just how my brain works. And when I started playing World of Warcraft, it was the exact same thing. I have a series of fan fiction about my own character uh, RPing his way through all of the expansions. Uh, over the years that exists on the internet and you can find it. I'm not going to tell you where, but if you find it, good luck. But it's one of those things where each character to me has a very distinct feel, has a very distinct motivation, and it's playing through that story and seeing what everybody is, is all these factions are doing, what they're about, what their plights are, what their, their main integrations are and, and how they interact with everything that determines where I'm going to put them. So like, my main character, Loader, who has been my character for 16 plus years at this point, he's going to Ardenweld. It aligns with his character viewpoints the most out of everything. There are other ones that will probably wind up elsewhere, but I haven't made that determination yet because it's going to be that particular character and sort of how they feel about that story, how they feel about those factions, those covenants after they're done interacting with everything. So for me personally, I don't care about the abilities. I will make whatever work with whatever. I've never been a pure, you know, it has to be mechanically driven type person. I will find something fun. No matter where I am, I will find something useful no matter where I am. But for me, it's all about whether or not that covenant story makes sense to that character in their established fiction that I have for them for the last you know, decade. So yeah. Um, again, no wrong way to choose it. That's just how I do it. All right. Gr our next one comes from perilous, who is a death Knight. Greetings, fellow prisoners. As the battle of Azeroth winds down, I had a thought the other day as the issue of Azerite weapons being used on Teldrassil was discussed. The thought have they really wrapped up the Azerite issue as it has stood all through this expansion? I haven't come across anything in game yet to suggest that the wounds of our world have been staunched. Azerite still seeps to the surface, and our planet is still impaled by a titanic ha, sword. We're about to disappear into the Shadowlands, but what about Azeroth's continuing outpouring of her lifeblood? Has this issue been addressed, and I just missed it somewhere? Thanks for all you do. 
Uh, no, they haven't addressed it at all. Like, I haven't seen anything Dude, to address they it. they shot a big laser at a giant monster. Everything's fine now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. imagine if, you know, this is what happens. Imagine, you know, you, you're like, you get stabbed by someone. And you're as you're laying there, bleeding and hurt, someone comes over to you and starts trying to steal your stuff. Somebody comes over from behind that person, clubs him over the head, stopping him from stealing your stuff, and goes, well, you're good. I'll see you later. That fixes everything. Your stab wound just immediately heals, and you're fine. You stop bleeding, you get up, you're fine. Well, that's what we were doing. We were originating uh, uh, Nazoth into old guy band-aids, right? That's, that was the whole purpose, wasn't it? No. It just gets fixed immediately because it gets fixed immediately. Don't think any more about this. <laughs> now, less sarcastically, everything you said is true, and I don't have an answer for you. Uh, they, If they're going to do something pre-expansion to possibly at least give us an idea of what's going on, that would be great. But as of right now, whilst I'm not one of those people who got really mad, a lot of people got really mad over the end of, of Battle for Azeroth. I'm not one of them. I liked that cinematic. I thought it, it worked pretty well. But I really wish that Magni had said, now that the old god's gone, we can you know finally focus on healing Azeroth's wounds. It'll Something. be a long, slow process. But as long as you do this terrible fake accent, we'll save Azeroth. You know, just 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 something. My inner just my inner dwarf just died a little, Rossi. Thank you. Well, you're lucky I didn't start going into my fake Russian accent, which happened. When I tried fake Scottish. Very often, I just drift into fake Russian, and it's like, what happened? But like, apparently, Hunt for Red October had serious effects on me, and they were long lasting. But no, seriously, there. No idea. Maybe that'll in fact be part of the story of of Shadowlands. You know, while we're over there, maybe Azeroth itself is dying, and so we have to fix things before Azeroth gets there. I don't know. I I think there's a lot of parallels too, and I I, I think that there is a distinct reason why that story hasn't been tidied up yet, and I think it has to do with the fact that we are starting to learn about life energy in Shadowlands in a completely different category, a completely different league than our characters have ever, ever considered. Like, if you think about it, when we're healing the world, as far as, like, the Azerite wounds go, we're doing it through conventional methods. We're sending druids to go heal the wounds. We're sending shamans to go heal the wounds. Priests are channeling light. Uh, paladins are channeling light. Like, they're trying to heal the world as if it is a conventional process. And what we've seen throughout the entirety of Battle for Azeroth is that don't work. You don't heal a wound that way. You can't heal a wound that way. It doesn't work. It's not like repairing the wounds to the uh, the traveling turtle. It's not the same thing because this is a being that does not exactly adhere to the same principles that we do. It's not exactly the same. So as we're moving through Shadowlands, we're starting to learn more about Anima. We're starting to learn about how that affects the regeneration process. I won't spoil anything here, but you interact with 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 beings that make you think about it a little bit differently than you conventionally would. Healing and rebirth doesn't necessarily take a conventional method. You can't just throw chain heal at it until the wounds are sealed. Uh, only if it's rank four, though. Keep that in mind. Like, and I think that is going to be something that we come back to finish up with or that we talk about. Do I feel seen, camera? (laughs) 
but I think I think it's going to play into that. I think the story of Shadowlands will loop back to this particular plot point that hasn't been sealed up because I think what we learn about Anima will directly affect how we heal a wounded Titan. That's just my opinion. I've seen nothing that indicates that that's the way it's going to go. Um, but it just seems too convenient to me that that what we're learning about, what we're ta- dealing with, the anima drought, the maw, how souls are, are sort of prepping and preparing. We're literally talking about healing a soul. That's what Azeroth is. It is a titan soul. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that we won't get there yet. I think during Shadowlands, we will get the the termination of that particular plot point, and it'll be like something that Magni comes and, and does his, his... I would ask Rossi to do the exit again, but I don't want to die laughing. Uh, he'll tell us that, hey, what you discovered here can be applied here, and then we'll go and do it, and then move on to the next chapter. That's my thoughts. All right. Anything else to add? Do you want me to move on to the next one? Oh, go ahead and move on, Roddy. I love it. I love it so much. Hello, fellow narrative enthusiasts. Just leveling through Nazmir here, getting my final class to 120, and was wondering about our, the player's, relationship with old Bomb Somdi. He asks for one million souls in return for his aid, reassuring us that we are more than capable of paying it. When we go outside to Atina, the blood troll interrupts the binding ritual. The quest ends with Bomb Somdi saying, I realize the ritual was incomplete, but considering the circumstance, we can skip the formalities. You have my aid if you be willing to pay the price. So, as a legal scholar for Aloha, can you weigh in? Is the promise of one million souls to Bomb enforceable? Better yet, when we go to the Shadowlands, will we find ourselves in the position to pay Bomb one million souls in one lump sum? Thanks, guys. Uh, Archie, the insert any race, insert any class from the Cenarian Circle Sister, Sisters of Elune servers. Well, laddie. The thing you've got to remember about Bon Samdi is I'm going to make Joe P himself. It's so so bad. I love it. Okay. It's possibly the worst Scottish accent you will ever hear. Um, The thing about Bon Samdi is he is very deeply involved in specific stories, so I don't want to go into too much detail here. Um, But he is... I don't know if enforceable is not the right word when dealing with Aloha. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not that he can enforce it like once you've made the binding, like for instance, when he makes the deal with Rastakhan, yeah, then he can enforce it. But in a lot of cases, you're free to not do the thing you said you'd do, and then he won't give you the thing you want. Like that's how it works. This is a quid pro quo. It's it's actually very gobliny in a way. Where it, it's this is uh, you do this thing for me, and then our pact works out for you. I don't know. Again, Joe, have you actually got a chance to see like this part yet? Yeah. Okay. So, do you do you want to talk about it? Like, no, no. Go ahead. Keep, it spo- go, go ahead. No, I, I'm trying to get you to do it because I'm not sure I can do it without spoiling anything. I don't know if I could either. <laughs> see, that's the problem. Let's, I'm going to say this: pay attention to what happens with Juan Samdi. Yeah, so the Bomb Somdi thing, you're not really beholden to anything because unless you are like linked to him in any capacity, you're not really going to suffer any ill effects. Yeah, he might be able to make your life a little bit more difficult or or maybe pull some tricks on you, but at the end of the day, like you're not tied to him in the same way that like Rastakhan and his bloodline is. He can't, you know, make you sick. He can't do that type of stuff. I mean, he might have the juice to do that. 
but who knows? And you're, like you, we pointed out in that questing, the binding thing never finished, right? We're not tied to him in that particular that particular way that Rastakhan's bloodline is. So ultimately, that deal maybe nothing will will actually come of it. It also might be a case of how much. I hate to say it like this, but like our soul is worth compared to uh, maybe NPC souls. And I, I phrase it like that because in um, we were talking about this in the pre-show, but in like D&D and Descent into Avernus, there's a whole thing about like soul coins um, and like the weight of a soul and how much an individual soul is worth. Our spirit might be worth more. That might have been his goal all along was not necessarily actually have a million souls, but to in debt our souls, our anima, our power to him in the same way that he tied himself to, uh, you know, the, the Rastakhan bloodline, that the same way that he is now in that position of prominence among Loa, how much power would that offer him? So I don't think he'll ever be able to truly honestly collect on a million souls because he has no real way to leverage that. Um, although he does have other ways that he tries to get what he wants out of things, but yeah, because we're not tied to him, I don't think he really can do anything about it. I don't think there's, I don't think there is any legal Loa basis for him to, to really pin us, pin us down with that. What do you think, Matt? No, I think that's fair. (laughs) All right. Um, I guess we can, uh, finish up there then. Uh, thank you for the question. That is, uh, Archie. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I think we'll find out more, though, about Bomb Zombie's plans when uh, we get a little bit further into Shadowlands. Because don't forget, we do go to the other side and figure out what's going on there. So, yeah. Matt, you want to take us home? Uh, well, usually you do the thing about... Oh, yeah. That that whole thing where I actually do an, 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 a little bit of an outro. Sorry about that. <laughs> It's been a weird day, folks. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. And again, guys, if you have questions, you can either get to our Discord, to the patron queue and podcast channel, or the just ask the Q channel and you can ask questions there. Uh, we obviously look at the Patreon one first because that's the whole point of having a Patreon. Uh, or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Thank you guys so much for being here, especially for people who are here live uh, who didn't get to hear the end of the show because my internet connection exploded. I'm very sorry about that. Um, we did what we could to fix it, but it took a long time, so I'm very sorry. Uh, Thank you guys for being here, and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.